everybody. I think we're live. I'm not sure. Um, this is Patty G. You're listening to the Patty G Show or watching the Patty G Show. I'm not sure if this is even working. But we've got Jordan Heffler from Do What You Want Radio, Do What You Want Podcast, and Photography. Yeah, that works. Is your, is your big, I think is your big yeah. thing, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So we were just chatting about trying to figure all this stuff out and how kind of Corona is forcing all of us to figure all this stuff out Mm -hmm. in regards to producing content and getting content out there, which, okay, I now see it on my Facebook page. So it is actually live. It's actually happening. And it's actually working. Yeah. So Jordan, um, what is your description of who you are? Well, I've never quite gotten an elevator pitch down because my problem is I do too many things. Um, and so it's hard for me to pitch myself in a concise way. But uh, pretty much how I normally introduce myself is my name is Jordan Heffler. I'm a photographer and a creative entrepreneur. I'm based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I celebrate a chromatic inspired lifestyle. So that's just a bunch of fancy words for I do photography and I like color. Okay. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been seeing you all over Instagram, all over Facebook, not so much Facebook, but mostly Instagram and TikTok with your color <laughs> and your, your, your certain, your certain filter that you have. Yeah. Um, I, uh, have made some presets now based on that, but I like the same kind of colors over and over again. And one day someone told me that's branding and I was like, Oh, I guess that's a thing I do. So <laughs> Having everything symmetrical over the course of your uh, pages and all of your posts and everything is symmetrical, mm-hmm. I guess. So branding. Um, okay, but so we were chatting before. So how did you get into photography? My dad has always been into photography. He kind of did it as a side hustle passion project growing up. He did a lot of like motorsport photography and motorcycle photography and cars and when we were growing up, he had a side business photographing races. And so I kind of just was always around as a kid watching him do that. And so I grew up with cameras in the house and I actually was really into, um, you know, camcorders. And I was like in third grade, I had a camcorder and I would do these silly skits with my stuffed animals and like make stop motion films and stuff. So I've just always been interested in cameras and, and being creative with them. Um, and so I decided to uh, major in photography at LSU, which I didn't know was a major, like an option until my senior year of high school. And I knew I wanted to do something in art, but didn't know what. Um, and so I majored in that, graduated in 2014 with a degree in photography. And from there, it just kind of grew. Okay. So your dad kind of had was a little, a big influence on making that decision to go into photography. Yeah. So how did you get connected with sports photography? Cause I see that's what you do. I guess, I don't know if it's primarily or is that your primary focus is sports or is there another not focus? even at all, but that makes me excited that you say that. So I just strive to look cool on the internet and I think we all, I think <laughs> you we just all made me realize it might be working. Um, no, I actually, so when I, it's funny cause in college, I remember my freshman year, I went to like a photography club meeting. They had like a club called snap and it was a, the photography club. And I went to the meeting and they were like, okay, everyone say your name and what you like to shoot. And I remember specifically being like, my name's Jordan. I don't like to shoot people. I like to shoot everything but people. And it was like, I photographed landscapes or whatever. But when you're first starting out in photography, you take pictures of everything you can. Like anything right. that's in front of you, you just like fixate on it. Um, and so as I got more comfortable with people and posing them and stuff, I kind of graduated into more portraiture. And so I did a lot of senior pictures for a long time. I still do them, but that's kind of, that was my main thing. Um, and I really kind of hated it. I didn't want to be known as the girl who just took the LSU senior portraits. So I got into editorial photography with 225 Magazine and some other local publications. Um, and that's kind of a long story short, how I got into the sports photography, which to this day, I've still not really photographed that many sports. I just milk a lot of the content online. Um, but I've only really shot like 10 football games over the course of the past like four years. And okay. that's like, I haven't shot any other sports really. So um, but you're not the first person to ask me that. I guess people assume that that's like my main thing. And I guess that means whatever I'm posting is working, but I would love to shoot more sports. I just don't have the the access because you have to have credentials and be cleared and be with a publication. And so just haven't really had the opportunity yet. Okay. So like, so let's, let's dive in more to that. What exactly do you need? Like, let's say I want to be a sports photographer. What do I need to do? 
who do I need to chat with if that's someone you can mm -hmm. talk about? And just kind of let's go through that process. Yeah. So I think it helps that I had a portfolio. Like I was a professional photographer already. I didn't shoot my first LSU game until I think fall of 2016. Um, and so, but I had already been doing photography professionally up until then, had lots of concert photography, had lots of portraits. Like I definitely had been running a business. And so I had a portfolio. And so I think they just gave me a shot to say like, we know you can take pictures. Like, let's see if you can take pictures at this instead. Cause for 225, I mean, they might be like, oh, go photograph this bowl of gumbo. Cause it won an award. Or it could be like, oh, go photograph this person. Cause they did this or, oh, go photograph this event because it's the, so with editorial, you're really kind of getting um, experience in a lot of different random areas because they're just always, you know, writing stories about different things. So with the LSU stuff, my dad actually had photographed some LSU games because his friend gets a, um, a credential and brings him with him to photograph for, um, an alumni association. So my dad had already been on the field many times and I always thought that was so cool. I never thought I could do it, but I was like one day that'd be awesome. And now I've like passed him up and I got to shoot the national championship and stuff. So it's really cool. But, um, you really kind of just have to, a, I think have a portfolio, but B it's, um, it's the same thing with music photography. I get asked all the time. You have to have a publication. You can't just like stroll up to LSU and be like, I want to photograph the game. They're going to be like, yeah, you know, of course, duh, everyone wants to like, here's the line. And so, being with a publication is you're in because it doesn't really matter who you are. It matters who you're with. So, I mean, you okay. can be a crappy photographer, but be with Rolling Stone and then you're going to get in. You know what I mean? Not that there right. are people that bad shooting for those kinds of publications, but it really isn't about you as a photographer or your work. It's about who you're working for. So I think the goal is to get your foot in the door with a publication who covers that sort of thing, whether it be concerts or football games or whatever. And 225 happens to be a publication that covers everything in Baton Rouge. So I've kind of gotten a lot of really cool opportunities through that, but it's limited to Baton Rouge. So it's not like I can go shoot a Saints game. Do you know what I mean? Right. But so what is, I guess, what is the next step within that though, to kind of branch out? Like, do you want to go shoot the Saints game or are you trying to shift your photography into something else? I think that'd be awesome. Um, I will say I'm really lucky having only shot sports games for a magazine. Um, there are very different styles of photography that you can do. And like, there's like photojournalism, like the advocate, like the newspaper, then there's like the creative team. So like the LSU creative team, the people who are photographing for LSU as a brand, they're using those photos for marketing, for Twitter, whatever. And then there's like local editorial, you know, magazines and stuff. Um, I've been very lucky to do it for 225, which is a magazine because they don't typically need my photos until like a year later. I usually am shooting the season, like the national championship was a rare thing, but I'm typically shooting games for them to use to hype up next year's season. So they won't even use those photos okay. till like the next August. So I have time. It's not like I have to like go back to the room after the game, turn them around, have them be printed in the newspaper the next day. That right. kind of changes the way the approach too, because when I'm shooting, it kind of has to be a little bit more artistic. Sometimes they have to like have a giant photo with like room for text on it. It can be a little more um, ambiguous with the moment. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, that was that one play that made the game. Cause nobody cares a year from now. It's kind of just like a nice photo of a player. So, right. so, and that works for me because I don't, I don't know sports that well. Like I, I'm not like an idiot. I know football and I love the game and, but I don't know every, you know, player stats and whatever. And if you're shooting for the newspaper, you got to know who made that play when it happened you know, what their number is, what their, you know, everything, because it's, you're reporting on the news for me. It's more so just like aesthetically beautiful photos that they can use almost without sounding like bad, like generic photo. They want like, like stock photos to be able to use all the time, like LSU, like, so just, you know, wide shots of the stadium or like Mike or whatever. So I've been really lucky doing that. So I'm rambling, but I would love to shoot more sports, but I think I would only want to shoot more sports in the same way I've been doing it because I am not like, a sports fanatic. Like, I don't know everyone's stats. I don't know the ins and outs of being able to shoot for a team on like a full-time basis. I like kind of just having an artistic eye and bringing it to sports and seeing what happens. And so I've gotten lucky to do that, but I wouldn't want to do too much more sports if it was other than that. I don't think. Right. Well, cause like you said, it's, you know, you're pulling for stock photos or photos to be used throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, somebody, if like a videographer is there, they've got a video that catch or that pass that people are mm -hmm. going to remember and they want that season. I mean, they want to take that video and chop it up and then use it for a hype video later on right. that week. So I can imagine the turnaround time for that is just crazy. Oh, the LSU team. So I got to sit with them during the, um, 
the national championship because there was like a big media room and I was just by myself and all these other people are like teams. It's like freaking ESPN's here with their whole squad and like, you know, TBS sports is here. And so I was just like, it's just me. And I, it's just my, my laptop and me. And so um, they actually did need those photos like that night because they had, they were, if we had one, they knew that they wanted to use photos and whatever. Um, but typically I don't have to edit on site like that. There is a media room, but the LSU creative team let me sit with them because I'm friends with some of the, the people, the photographers on the team and, um, just watching them and just being like on the outside of their conversations. Like it is a full blown, um, system. Like they've got people who run the cards back and forth and someone else is editing your photo for you. That way it can go out on Twitter, like five minutes after it happened. And like, they're doing stuff like on the go right then. And it's just such a different way. Cause right now it's just me and I'm just, I shoot all my photos and then I come back and I look at them and I go through manually and choose them and manually edit them. And they have like a whole system where it's like, before you even know how good the photo was, cause you're still in the field. Someone else has already wired the image back and it's already been like tweeted. It's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. So, and that's how, when I shoot concerts, um, I don't really shoot for publications that are like that, you know, intense, but when I shoot for Voodoo Fest, like that's like a situation where I'm working for the festival and the same kind of thing happens where they want to be able to post on social media about the set before the set's over. So you only, you shoot like the first song, get something good, run back to the trailer, edit something real quick, like wire it to the social person. And then they want to be able to post like, wow, that set by Post Malone was so good. Like up next is so, but like, they want to be in real time. So you have to be like in real time running back and forth. So I've had that kind of experience before. It's very stressful. It's very fun. It really puts your skills to the test because you're like trying to do stuff fast and you're trying to find photos. Like it makes you fast as an editor to pick like what's the, I took 4,000, but what's the best one right now? You know? Right. So um, sports is another level of that though. Cause you really have to know everything about the game and what's happening. And I'm not there yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a sports person by no stretch of the imagination. I enjoy watching football. I enjoy watching baseball, but don't quiz me on trivia or anything. Mm -hmm. of that nature. I mean, it's even like I'm on the field taking pictures and I'll like take a picture of my screen and text my boyfriend and be like, is this an important player? Like, is this someone <laughs> who, I should, and, who is this? Yeah. Like, I'm just like, cause I'll get these really cool photos of random people and my boyfriend Christian will be like, that guy didn't even like play the game. I'm like, but it's a beautiful portrait. And he's like, don't post that one. That's not like an important guy. I'm like, no, it's awesome. But you never know. Cause maybe next year, that might be the, you know, right. And so because I'm shooting in with that state of mind, I just, it's like a free for all. I just shoot whatever I can. Also so much of photography, I don't like saying this because you have to have skill, but a lot of it is luck. It really is like where yeah. you, where the action happened, especially with sports, like you have a whole football field to deal with. You can only be in certain areas. And even if you know the game really well, unless you have the right equipment and a little bit of luck for something to happen where you need it to happen, you don't get the shot. And so, so much of what I get is just like a fluke thing. And I'll be like, is this good? And sometimes my boyfriend will be like, holy cow, that's like so-and-so that's amazing. And I'm like, I don't know. It just How happened next to me. You know? Yeah. Or he'll be like, oh, you missed that one shot. I'm like, well, the ref was standing in front of me the whole time. It's like, you really, it is luck. A lot of it, I think. And so I hate saying that because as an, as a creative entrepreneur, you want to know that like your skills have been like put to use, but a lot of it is luck when it's like music or sports or anything like action related, you can get really good, but you still have yeah. to have like, the luck of the moment. Right. And it's, you know, I've, I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts and some of your episodes and you're talking about being in the pit, I guess, mm -hmm. for like concerts. And, you know, if you've got three people that are taking up a particular angle that you can't get, well, you missed a shot. Yeah. You know? but you're if, all fighting for the same photos. Right. And that's, so how, what is that like? Like, what is the, I guess, what is the, one of the best concerts you've shot and what was that experience like going through? Um, that's a really good question. I do get asked that a lot. Like, what's your favorite show you shot? And I really don't ever know how to answer that. Um, I kind of like black out when it's happening. Not, not from like alcohol. I mean like blackout. Like, right, right, like right. You're, 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 you're so in, you're thing. so focused. Right. I, yeah. I don't show up like wasted. No, I, I just, I don't remember sometimes like what was going on. Cause you're just like in your camera, you're looking through, you know, something so small. And so when you're shooting in the pit, it's, it's an even playing field. So it doesn't matter if the guy next to you works for Rolling Stone or the person next to you, it's their first concert. Like you're all, you all have the same. It's like, I don't watch the Hunger Games, but I feel like it's like, it's Hunger Games. Like it's, you, you're all the same vantage point. It doesn't matter who you are. The best you can do is the best you can do. Um, And there's like a, there's an etiquette to it. 
um, it's kind of like unspoken, like you wear black, like you don't show up in the photo pit wearing polka dots. Cause if you end up in some other photographer's shot, like, and then they have to edit you out, it's kind of unspoken that everyone wears black or dark colors. You don't go stand in front of people. If you've been in one spot for a long time, you kind of like feel it out and then move. So someone else has a chance and you don't like put your camera in the air and like take pictures above your head. Cause you're blocking, you'll be in everyone else's photos. Um, and so there's like some of those unspoken type rules, but, uh, I don't know. I feel like my favorite photo I've taken that I always talk about, and I feel like people are probably tired of it by now. It's a picture of the guitarist of fallout boy. Um, because it was like this fake snow that was falling from the sky and I took it from behind and it was really cool. And I have it printed in my wall and it was a photo that Instagram's music page like reposted it. And it was a huge deal at the time because it was in 2016 and I was still fairly new to doing it. Um, right. and that was a really cool concert to shoot. And that was a, like a scary concert to shoot because my memory card just kept saying it was corrupted in the middle and you only get three songs to shoot. Like, so you are escorted in, you have three okay. songs and then you're done. So you, you bring okay. what you can, but you don't have time to be messing around with anything. You kind of have to be like ready. That's why I usually wear two cameras. Um, cause it's just easier to not have to take time up to go change your lens and whatever. And my memory card kept saying it was like malfunctioning. So I didn't even know if I got the photos. Uh, and I ended up getting like my favorite photo. So that was one of my favorite ones, I think, because of that story of just being like really stressed out and um, not knowing if I even had anything to show for it. And then I did um, some of my best photos, I think. But uh, a lot of times it's like smaller concerts too, like uh, concerts without photo pits, like Spanish Moon's closed right now, but like places like Spanish Moon and and um, the Varsity even, like they don't have photo pits. And so you're kind of just in the crowd with your camera and you know, making all the fans mad trying to get to the front. And you're kind of like, I'm sorry, I'm trying to take pictures. Like, let me up here, please. And that gives me so much anxiety because I hate, you know, pushing my way through or inconveniencing someone, especially if it's like a diehard fan in the front row. And I'm just trying to take pictures. I don't even know the band sometimes, you know, and then I feel right. bad taking up space. Um, but some of those concerts are the most fun because it's like such a game. Like you truly are like hunting. Like you don't, you have no control over your surroundings or what's happening or what they're going to do on stage what the lighting's going to be like if the guy next to you is going to be drunk and like throws beer in you or if there's gonna be a crowd surfer or if you're going to get punched in the face like you just never know so you're going to a brawl those, essentially well i go i shoot a lot of heavy concerts too because they make for good photos like nobody likes photographing pianists you know what i mean like you want to photograph like something going on so right. um I like to shoot the heavier shows cause it's unpredictable and it's fun, but it's also kind of terrifying. Cause like I have thousands of dollars of equipment and I'm just like, please don't punch me. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not ready for to have somebody like flail their body on top of me and then crack my screen. I mean, cause right. from what I, from what I heard, don't you rent some of that equipment? Mm, That's for like the, football the more expensive games? stuff. Yeah. Okay. For the football games, I rent a 120 to 300 millimeter lens. It's like this long, I guess you, <laughs> and it's it costs like two hundred dollars to rent for like three days. Okay. Um, it, it essentially eats out of my pay to shoot the games. I don't make much money shooting the games because it's important to me to have. Like I would rather get the gear and have good photos to show for it than like get paid and use what I own and not really be able to. But I don't have the need to buy one of those long lenses quite yet. They're like thousands and thousands of dollars, which is normal for camera gear, but they're not really something that I would use for anything other than football games. And since I, I don't shoot that many, I just rent them. But yeah, you're right. right. Like renting gear and then being in situations where like it might get messed up. It's, it's worse when it's your own though. Cause then you're like, I have to pay to, you know, fix this. But. Right. Such as, such is the risk of the, the field, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That happened at Voodoo Fest this last year. My camera gear got rained on and it, my screen was shorting out and it uh, cost like $300 to fix, which is only like a little bit but when it when you do a gig and you get paid and then you have to take money out of what you're getting paid to fix the thing for doing the gig it's just never ending <laughs> it's never ending circle okay so what is oh yeah like your what does your bag pack contain for a typical let's go with like a concert like what do you bring um, with concerts, you to, to do it yeah i try to do a little less for concerts because i usually have to like hold there's nowhere to like set your gear down you can't like put it anywhere while you're at the concert especially if I'm staying after the first three and I'm staying to enjoy the concert that needs to be on me and I need to not have like giant amounts of stuff. Um, and so I usually have a smaller camera backpack. Uh, I have two cameras with me 
uh, almost always, unless it's something local, like at the varsity, if I'm going to New Orleans or something, I'm going to have both cameras in case something happens. Um, I usually try to have, well, it depends on the concert too in the venue. If it's an arena, you need a long lens because the artists are further away. The stage is higher up. Um, so that would be like a 70 to 200 lens. Same for festivals. If it's something like the house of blues, you are like this close from like their toes on the end of the stage. So you need something really wide cause you're like up in their face. Um, so you don't need a long lens. So I would have a wide lens, probably like a 2470 or something even wider. Um, the problem is though, depending on the venues, you start to know which venues have good lighting. And so I can preempt my lens that I'm gonna bring based on that because I have to bring a prime lens if it's like a hole in the wall place with like one drop light in the corner. So that, you know, affects the, the type of lengths I wanna have. I don't always have in the prime version. So then I have to bring a prime lens cause it's like better for lighting. So sometimes you end up bringing like five lenses and you end up only needing one, but you don't know till you get there what right. you're gonna need. So I've, um, I always am trying to remember which venues had what kind of lighting, but also a lot of times is the band's preference. Like some bands wanna play in the dark, some bands want spotlight on them. So you're kind of just at the mercy of whatever is happening, but you can't use a flash like 99% of the time. So, uh, okay. I bring a little bit of everything because you got to be ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So on the on the back end, what is the the post edit procedure like for let's let's say you shoot the concert, you shoot the first three songs. That's like what thirty minutes worth of shooting. Mm. What is or is it longer than that? No, like ten minutes. Oh, ten like minutes. Fifteen okay. minutes, maybe. Okay. Depends on the band, so, but yeah, it's like fifteen minutes. Okay, and then you said you got four thousand photos out of those ten minutes. Um, no, that's a lot, but I probably average around five hundred photos per song, so about fifteen hundred, okay. maybe two thousand. Okay, and so how yeah. long does it take to edit them on the back end? So, especially with concert stuff, you will probably only have like one percent usable photos. Doesn't matter how good you are; it's just oh, a matter because like because like the lights are blinking and like things are blurry and you're just, you just shoot, you're shooting a lot just because you only have that amount of time and you can't control mm -hmm. what's happening. So you're just overshooting. And then you go back and you look and I'm like, if it's like first three songs, I probably end up with like 20 decent photos, like five that are actually like going to be used for whatever it is it's for. Um, but it also depends. Like some bands have great lighting and they're active on stage. So I end up with like a hundred amazing photos from three songs and some bands you, you'd be lucky to get one. Like it really is just, a toss-up but so um it doesn't take me that long to go through them uh it takes sometimes it takes longer just to copy the freaking card like when i shoot south by southwest and it's like an all-day shoot like it's like 10 hours or something and i just have like so many cards it takes like two hours just to move the photos to the computer and by then i'm like so annoyed because i'm like i'm awake still i can edit it but i can't do it till it's on the computer so now i have to like wait for that part um Jeez. once it's on the computer it's just rapid fire like i kind of have gotten good at knowing what i'm looking for and then editing them doesn't take super long unless there's something crazy that i have to like photoshop out or the lighting was really really bad and i have to get creative with how to edit it um but it probably takes like another hour okay so. that's not geez that's i spend more time on the post edit of like podcasting podcasting is no joke though uh, same and for me it's like not even editing my podcast takes long it's like coming up with a blog post to write all the stuff for the seo and then designing a little thing and then like scheduling it to go out and it yeah the episode might be an hour but then it takes me like another hour to hour and a half to like mm -hmm. get it going yeah so i understand that <laughs> so and moving into that you have your own podcast the do what you want radio podcast mm -hmm. so yep. how did how why <laughs> Why? Because I just can't stop talking. Um, I I just kept uh, hearing, or not hearing, like having conversations with people that I thought was interesting. And every single time I'd be like, man, I wish I would have recorded that. So maybe I should start a podcast. And so I actually had my microphone for like a year before I did anything. So I, I've been thinking about it. I had wanted to do it for a while. And then I didn't actually get it together to launch until January of 2019. But I had like bought the mic and everything. I had stuff for like a year. I just didn't know how to, the tech part of it really um, held me back because I was afraid it was going to be too difficult. So I just kept putting off looking into it. And then once I did it, I was like, oh, this isn't hard. It's just tedious. Like, it's very right. simple to do. It's just talking with a microphone, push record. Yeah. <laughs> it's very simple. It's just tedious. So, um, and I'm doing it all myself. So I, um, I launched it in January of last year and I did about an episode a week every week until around Thanksgiving or so. And so I have 50 episodes. Um, and then 
I'm on a hiatus right now. I'm going to do season two at some point. I just don't know when kind of just enjoying the break from it. It's a lot of work. Right. Yeah. It's, and I'm, I'm right there with you. It was kind of the, okay, let's do spend like three months of research, figure out what is actually good gear mm -hmm. and what people are already using, what they recommend. And then let's spend another two months learning how to use it. Cause I'm in accounting, I'm mm -hmm. nothing to do with sound or audio or anything of that nature. So I can understand for you going through that struggle of learning as we go. Yeah. Well, that's like how I've done everything though. And I'm very much a believer in just like getting something out there, even if it's like bad, just getting it out there, like to a point where you're still okay putting your name on it, but like not, cause if you're a perfectionist, right. like you're going to sit around and, and wait to do it forever. And that's how I was like with my online workshops and my podcast, I waited a year to do anything about them until I finally was just like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to set my camera up or set my mic up and just like start and see what happens. And people who yeah. really care about you and your content will they will grow with you and like, they will be okay with however bad it might be, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, everybody's got to start from somewhere. We right. don't all start out right out the gate and just absolutely perfect nail everything unless we're using a post-production crew. I mean, for those of us that are doing everything and kind of bootstrapping yeah. it as we go, but I can't afford that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm using everything that's as inexpensive or as free as I could possibly use. Like as mm -hmm. far as, you know, podcasting, software goes the podcasting hardware mm -hmm. was the biggest investment but i knew that it was going to be worth it in the long run to yeah. invest in quality gear but you know like you like we were talking beforehand paying those monthly dues each month they start to add up and they never go away oh 100 percent. and this whole coronavirus hoopla is really forcing me to look at my stuff like i've been needing to like, and I don't mean just like podcast, I just, just look at my expenses and you're an accounting yeah. guy. So I'm sure that's like <laughs> your wheelhouse. But, um, I, as a creative don't, I don't think I'm bad with money, but I'm definitely not good with it. Do you know what I mean? And so I yeah. do a lot of, um, avoiding, like I just go on about my business and there are months that I'm like doing what, in my opinion, like really, really great. And there's months that I like have made less than a hundred dollars and I just don't know what the next step is. And with the coronavirus stuff, like I'm used to having months where nothing happens. Like that happens every year for me, but I know when it's right. coming because this just kind of happened in my busiest time, which is typically the spring. It's kind of scary. And so starting to look at the subscriptions and things and like, okay, what am I actually using? What am I actually not? Like, what's a better way to do this? Like, I don't know. Cause a lot of times you just like set up auto renew and then you, you just forget. And so even just the other day, you. That's how they I get was looking you. at, yeah, I was looking at my, um, my expenses like two days ago and I was like, wait, I paid for this hotel room like twice in January. Like what? Like just little things that I'm like, why did it like, but it's cause I had never, I just go on about my day and then I'm like, man, I'm always broke. And so now I'm just trying to like get it together and reading my little Figure Dave Ramsey book now. <laughs> yeah. Let's figure out why we're broke and let's see what we can do to change it. Yeah. I know, like, I'm not saying that, you know, I guess I take it a little bit extreme. Like I do monthly financials for personal, like for my wife and I, so we can mm -hmm. track and see what we've been spending. And then we're also, we get notifications every time the cards run. So we're constantly checking and monitoring everything. And then we're projecting and doing, you know, planning of course throughout the month. But prior to I that, like that's yeah, how was, you're supposed to be doing it. But, <laughs> but I'm not saying you're supposed to, but I feel like you probably are. Yeah. But it's just, I'm 27 and now I'm just now realizing like, Oh, all this money I've been making that I've been so proud. Cause when you own your own business, it's like every dollar, like you really sincerely, I'm so excited. Like every time right. I get hired and I get paid, like it's like a pride thing. And the, the fact that I'm not in the street and I'm able to, even if I'm in debt, like sometimes, you know, like I'm able to live life based on doing what I love to do. I'm very grateful for that. But then I look at my expenses and I'm like, I make more money than I think I do. And it's just cause I don't, I don't properly know where it's going. Um, things could be a lot different. And so that's something I'm really actually, it took a global pandemic for me to figure it out. But I'm actually kind of grateful that we're all home now. One, not spending money, which is, I know it's a loaded thing because it ends up affecting the whole economy. And that's why I'm not making money because no one's spending money, but overall, like we're not going out as much. So it'll be a nice little kind of break from my credit cards and stuff for me to kind of just look into see what's going on. But I've um, been tracking my monthly revenue for years as a business owner, because I have to pay my sales tax and stuff. But it never occurred to me until this year to track my monthly expenses. I always tracked like how much I'm getting paid. And I'm like, cool, but I've never once like tracked where I spent it. 
I don't know what right. the problem is. So now I'm like, oh, that's very step one, but a little late to the game, but we're going to get it figured <laughs> out. Hey, it's like we said, we roll with the punches and we learn and adapt <laughs> as we go. You know, yeah. Step one, open Excel. Step two, header, you know, <laughs> and then roll with it from there. So, okay. So the podcast, what is, what is the podcast about? I mean, outside of do what you want. Yeah. So um, it's called do what you want radio. Cause do what you want is like my subtitle. It's or not subtitle. It's, it's like a, um, a tagline, if you will, for Jordan Heffer Photography is my business, but do what you want is kind of like my mantra that kind of goes underneath that. And it was always just supposed to be a reminder for me because there's so much of stuff, the stuff that I do that I don't want to do. Um, and so it's not, it's not saying that I do whatever I want. It's like supposed to be a reminder right. that you can do what you want as a creative entrepreneur. Um, in my, in my um, experience, it was more so like, I'm a photographer. I have to shoot weddings. Well, I, I hated shooting weddings. I did it for a little bit and I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this, but everyone says you have to do it. So that's kind of where do what you want came from. Like you don't necessarily have to do what everyone else is doing. And if you aren't, that usually means you're onto something because you're out of the box. You're like, you know, being a little bit different. So that's like the mantra that kind of came out of that. And so with that was um, the podcast idea of do what you want radio. And it was just kind of a way for me to talk to, a people like me who also own their own businesses, maybe doing things I don't know anything about, or B people who don't necessarily own their own business, but they still have really cool jobs or they've, you know, shown some sort of an um, ambitiousness or ambition, I guess, in their job. And so do what you want radio is just a podcast for creatives. It doesn't matter if you own your own business or not, just for creative people and um, or even people who aren't creative, but want to be more creative or just want to think a little bit more openly about uh their careers and how to do what they want with it so that's kind of the premise of it i don't know if every episode lived up to that but a lot of times i just end up talking and it is what it is but i interviewed a lot of different people in different professions on the podcast so and i'm gonna have you on eventually i promise <laughs> yes we're gonna we're gonna make it happen once we all get corona free right oh yes <laughs> i know this is like because that's i was wondering you know what for creatives that are doing it on like a, a job to job base, how do they, or what can they do during these times where nobody's hiring? Um, step one was probably to have some sort of like cushion fund, which I had did not have because my finances have never been under control, but now going through this, it's forcing me to look at my stuff and know that I can have some sort of, I need to start building some sort of emergency fund it seems very straightforward, but like, I know I'm not the only person that doesn't have anything saved. And I think a lot of creatives are in that problem because a lot of us live check to check, like job to job. And so like I said, right. I might have one really big, big job, but then I'll have two months where no one hires me. And then like I have more big jobs. So it all evens out. And so I think a lot of creators, myself included, are scared because we all have slow seasons, but when your season is slow, the rest of the world is still turning. But right now everyone's slow because the world is not turning. <laughs> Like the economy, yeah. I mean, so well, everyone's kind no, of I think freaking the world out. Itself has just stopped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like even outside of the economy. Yeah, so it's like it's kind of scary because like you always think like maybe I should do this or this or this, but right now it's hard because people aren't going to be able to spend as much money because everyone stopped. So um, I think what people or creatives can do right now, or just self-employed people, is just create content. And like I say that, and it's very trendy buzz thing to say, but. Um, I really mean like content market yourself. Like you don't, it's not really a kosher time to be marketing yourself. Like hire me for this. Cause like people are like, we're broke and we can't see each other. No, it's not the time right. to be like, be like hitting it hard with like advertising, like what you offer. I think you can still do that to a certain extent, but I think right now is the time to just create content that will help plant the seed in people's brains that like they'll hire you later or create like something educational to like serve your audience um, because that will stick with them and make them want to buy something from you or hire you when they can. But just hitting the the ground running right now, being like, oh, I'm discounting this and I'm doing that. I think you still do that to a certain extent. Like I discounted my merch for like 20%, but that's like nothing because it's like t-shirts and stuff. But people who right. are like going crazy trying to market their services, it's kind of out of touch a little bit in my opinion because like no one can – should be paying for that right now. Like everyone's businesses are like closing and you know, restaurants are going out of business. People are dying. Yeah. Like it's kind of um, a weird time. So I think the best thing you can do is just create content that will drive people to your website or to your services or get them to like, trust you um, not in a scammy way, but just like create content that's educational. Yeah. So 
I mean, whether it's a podcast or write some blog posts or like me, I've just been all over TikTok just being crazy because it's something new and fun to do. But just even like, oh, this is how I do this. That's how I make it. Like record it, done, 10 seconds, done. Just something, you know, to kind of give back and teach people about, you know, what you do, but also in turn, you're building yourself credibility with whatever that thing is and positioning yourself as an expert for them to be able to hire you for that thing whenever they finally can. Right. Yeah. It's your, you're becoming, you know, face first, you become in front of mind to them. It's like, Oh, mm -hmm. I've seen her do great stuff all the time, especially during the coronavirus. I mean, you know, she was jamming on TikTok, So clearly she knows how to create stuff and she can learn dance moves. Right. <laughs> yeah. TikTok is such a, it's so fun. And I keep telling my boyfriend, he is not here for it. He's on like zoom meetings, like a hundred hours a day. Cause he works for community coffee and they have all these meetings all the time. So he's actually in my living room right now on a call. I'm sure. And uh, I'm like trying to like, I'm like look, I'm he's like, you don't do anything all day. I'm like, TikTok, I'm creating content. I'm planting seeds. I'm investing my time wisely. No, but it's it's a weird place. Um, we're definitely on the older end of the people on there. But it's definitely, I think, going to boom. It's already boomed, but like it's going to boom. And I think our age groups just like last to like finally hop over. Well, and I want to like, I want to nicely like almost disagree with you on that one. Really? We're not. Yes. Okay, so I get it. And Brian Haldane and I had this conversation when he was on the show as well. And the large portion is a younger crowd. Mm -hmm. But we're starting to see a lot more older creatives come in and start posting their content mm -hmm. that are in their late to late 20s, early 30s. So it's not the platform is not just for like high schoolers. Oh, yeah. And it, I didn't really mean it like that. Name. I see. I see. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. Then I don't disagree with you at all either. <laughs> no, I don't think it's I think maybe for a while that's who yes. was on there and now yes. it's i mean there's old people on there dancing and whatever and you don't have to necessarily dance but i do think it's fun to like just hop on whatever trend it is but make it your own so for me if that means like doing the cringy dances or whatever but like putting some like information about like what my favorite editing apps are in that video while i'm dancing you know just finding different yeah. ways because i i was listening to this marketing guy talk on this youtube video a while back um, he was talking to like an influencer, like this blogger who was like an Instagram fashion blogger. And she had kind of stopped seeing growth for a while because Instagram's so saturated right now. Everyone's on there, but everyone's an influencer. And it's kind of just been harder to grow and to be seen on there because there's so much noise. And she was saying she just started posting her outfits in video form on TikTok. And she got like hundreds of thousands of people to come follow her on TikTok. And they all trans, but they converted into Instagram followers. And it was like a whole new wave of people because it's just a different platform. So I'm not saying like get on TikTok, be TikTok famous and have all these like 13 year olds like like your page. Like you never know who's watching it. And I think right. I just talked about this on the JD Cody show. I read some statistic that it's like millions of people have downloaded the app during this quarantine stuff because everyone's just bored. But only 4% of people on the app are like making content. So everyone's just watching, but only 4% of the people are making anything. Um, so that just means that this is the time if you're a content creator or if you're anyone and you want yeah. to do digital marketing, get on there now because like there's so many eyeballs looking at your stuff. Like the, the potential is insane. And it's like, why not? If you're already on all these other social media platforms, why not just join it? And I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, you have to talk the lingo though. You can't get on TikTok and do what you've been doing on Instagram, Facebook. It's not the same place. You have to, you have to like sit down and accept the cringe and just, right learn what they're doing and what works and then just position what you're what you do everywhere else on there like that so if that means doing the dance or like using the weird little sound or whatever it's just you have to like learn how to speak that language yeah. um but i've i mean i've got i've gotten like 100 followers since like last week and all i've been doing is posting like something stupid every day so it's just crazy the scalability is insane yeah and that's that's it's huge, especially within Corona time right now, with mm -hmm. gaining gaining traction. Like if you're if you're struggling, if you were struggling to gain traction across whatever platform you're on, whether it be Facebook, LinkedIn, mm -hmm. TikTok, you know, Snapchat, whatever you're on, now is your prime time. Like if you can't produce and create and gain traction now, then you really need to reevaluate how you're going about doing it. Because if you're taking a picture, you're putting it on Instagram, and then you're just instantly, you know. Upload it, upload to Facebook without making some tweaks to the written word for I'm Facebook bad. specific. I'm bad about I do that. It too. I, I go I, back I and check, but I'm so bad about that. And, and I, I yeah. do it too. And I've had to catch myself like, no, like you need to take this and tweak it a little bit. You know, like mm -hmm. for example, yesterday I posted something about uh, my dinner, getting, getting a burger from Fat Cow and having grab it, deliver it. 
And so I posted that on every platform, Twitter, and the, the written word on Twitter was different than the written word on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then I went on LinkedIn and it was just straight up like, not even sure if LinkedIn's good for a food platform, but for you foodies out there, here it is. And then mm -hmm. that was, and then that was a written word, but I couldn't keep the same context that was there on Instagram because people on Instagram want that context, but people on yeah. LinkedIn don't. And LinkedIn is huge. in as far as the growth potential that's there because mm -hmm. of this, you have to look at it in a different lens. Whereas the people on Instagram are like, I want to follow you. I want to find your content and like it and absorb it. Whereas LinkedIn, it's like, okay, I want to connect with you and potentially do something with you later on down the road. Yeah. I always forget about LinkedIn because as a business owner, I don't really, I never really had the opportunity to get on LinkedIn hardcore and like look for jobs on there. Um, but I have a, a profile and it's been updated and I post my blog links on there and they do really well actually on LinkedIn because it's always like content creator tips like, oh, how to do this or 10 ideas for this. And so those types of things I make just, you know, one to educate my audience, but two to like have SEO for my website to get people to come through. And I put it on Pinterest and everywhere else, but on LinkedIn, they do really well because it's, you know, people who are trying to connect with that kind of thing. But then, so to take that even further, all I'm doing on TikTok right now is going through my old blog posts, things I've already written, content I've already created, and just figuring out how to repurpose that in a TikTok form. So it's almost like each platform is a different country and each country is a different language. And so you're just doing the same thing. You're not doing like more work per se. You don't have to think that much harder. You're just trying to like right. pivot each thing that you've done to fit the language for that country. Yeah, exactly. It's every, yeah, every, every country has a different language. And if you're not speaking the right language, they're not going to respond to it. But I think, yeah, your blog posts and repurposing that for LinkedIn, it's okay. So why do you get the concept, the, the notion that LinkedIn's for job searching? Like, cause I talked with Brian Haldane and he had the same thing. He was like, dude, he's like, I've got a job. Why do I need to be on LinkedIn? And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What do you, do you think like LinkedIn is like a zip recruiter? I, I never really knew what LinkedIn was for. I, cause I always, I was an art major, so it wasn't right. hammered in us to have a profile. I just was always like ahead of the time with social media. I was always on whatever the next thing was. So I had heard about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I should make a thing. I heard it was like Facebook, but for like business. That's essentially what I thought it was. So in college, I made one and I was like, oh, I'll just put like my sorority and like my community hours and like, oh, I worked at the rec in high school. Like I didn't know what to put on there. Um, and then kind of like forgot about it. I got hired to do some portraits for a family um, from LinkedIn like five years ago. They were looking on there. They were from out of town. They were looking for Baton Rouge photographers and they were searching and they found me and they hired me off of LinkedIn. And I just took that. They have a baby now and I just took their pictures again like four weeks ago and they live out of state and they found me on LinkedIn. And that always stuck with me after that happened because I was like, that's like they they could have Googled, but they didn't. They got on LinkedIn and searched. And so right. LinkedIn is a search engine. It's not a social media platform almost. It's like. Yeah, it's it's a search. And that's how I feel about Pinterest. And I always say photographers who aren't on Pinterest are like severely, severely underutilizing the, the potential okay. on there because Pinterest goes to Google. Yeah. And no, so, a photographer not on Pinterest is like an accountant and doesn't know how to work Excel. Yeah. And it's like it's not about because you always think like Pinterest is social media, like, oh, I'm going to pin the hairstyles I like and it's going to be my board. And this is like it's not a for you. It's for people to find you. So you need to like position right. your pins, same as LinkedIn to answer someone's questions that they might be searching. So it's not about like, Oh, like Sarah posted a cute hairstyle. I'm gonna pin it from her. Like, Oh, we're friends. It's not a social media platform like that. It can be to an extent, but it needs to be like, what are people searching? Oh, uh, how to senior picture pose ideas. Well then I'm a photographer. I'm just going to take the photos I've done and just position it to be to answer that question. And, right. and match the SEO. So this is the same thing with LinkedIn, I feel like. And so I've tried to keep up with LinkedIn over the years, but I always forget about it. It is like my redheaded stepchild. Like I truly forget about it. I update it like once every five months and I'm like, oh yeah, forget this is here. But um, I mean, I know it's powerful. And if I position myself as an expert on there, I might get hired again from someone on there. So it's not necessarily just for corporate hiring. It's for just people who want to hire you for Absolutely. whatever it is that you offer. And it's especially for creatives because you've got professional people who may be in a, in a position to hire you in something that you may not know you want to do at the time. You know, you could have a mm -hmm. corporate say, hey, we want to do headshots for the whole company. You need to come mm -hmm. in and take 400 headshots of every employee and we'll pay you for it. 
You know, it's like, oh, yeah. well, I was not positioning myself to be headshots, but they loved the write-up I did on how to edit and make somebody's face pop in a mm -hmm. photo that you took in some other who knows what context. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I feel like that's all social media in a nutshell, but like we were talking about earlier, people on Instagram, they want to see your face. They want to see what you have. They want to see where you live. They want to see your dog. Like it's a little, and it can be a portfolio thing too, but that's something I always talk about with photographers is that like, show me wh what you look like, because if I, all it is is just your work and it's beautiful, that's like your, that's just your website. Like, I don't, I want to yeah. see who you are. It's Instagram. And so like, if someone wants to hire me to come take pictures of their baby in their house, they probably want to know that I'm not like a serial killer. Like they probably want to see a picture of me and like get to know me, you know? So I always yeah. think about it that way. It's personality marketing and, and just different platforms are for different things, but put yourself out there and, and brand yourself so that you're not just like a talking resume because right. What's the point of that? It doesn't Everybody, make you stick out at all. Yeah. You, I can send you my resume via word doc. I don't mm -hmm. need to put it out in pictures, but you know, I, I yeah. said it perfectly each I always keep going back to what you said with the country, different language and understanding what the language is for what country. Mm -hmm. And I think you nailed what Instagram is about is people want to see you and your work. Mm -hmm. But if they really want to see just your work, then they'll go to your website or they'll go to right. wherever you have your portfolio and they'll find it from there to see your work. But now they want to learn more about you. You know, can mm -hmm. they, especially for photographers, can they let you in their home? and take yeah. pictures of your your babies i mean that's a, yeah talk about privacy you're going into the belly of the beast for the lack of a better term yeah i feel like it's the same way like i don't shoot weddings but wedding photographers like you might have all this beautiful work but like i don't know what you look like you're going to be with me on my biggest day like you have to talk to my mom you're going to be my grandma you're going to talk to me for a year and i feel like photographers need to put themselves out there more and people always ask me why i don't have separate instagram accounts for my photography and my or for me and all that and I've gone back and forth about it and sometimes I feel like it would be easier to have things separated but at the end of the day like I am my business so if you don't like me then you don't you probably don't want to hire me so it's like yeah. fine <laughs> or you might like or maybe you like me but you don't like my work but you know it's right. just it and I think that's truly why it's been harder for me to grow um I I'm waiting to get to 10,000 followers so I can have that little swipe up link but like it's it's hard to grow when you're putting a lot out there because it mm -hmm. It makes it like I always use the example of like um, if you run an account that's about coffee and you post a picture of coffee only every day, it's easy to grow really fast because people know exactly what it is and they'll know whether to follow you right then or there. But if you're posting about you and then for me like a metal concert and then it's a baby and then it's a landscape and then it's my podcast and then it's my foot and then it's this outfit and then it's whatever. <laughs> it's hard for people to decide if they really want to stick around. But that's how I know the people who have stuck around are like they're like gung ho yeah, audience, you know? And so it, it, but it makes it slower to grow because people, it takes longer. It's like dating. It's like, you, you have to like figure out if you like, like everything you see, it's easy when it's like, this is just dogs. So like, mm -hmm. if you like dogs follow, if you don't like dogs, don't follow. But if it's like me, they might, you know, not like everything I'm about or that I do. And so it's harder to grow. But at the end of the day, I feel like it makes it more like authentic of um, organic following, you know? Yeah, no, I, and I, I completely agree with that. There's, there's so many, different, I guess, methods to make your social presence explode on different platforms from following other people and in hopes that they follow you back. And, you know, then some people are like, well, I don't want that high of a following count. And I'm like, okay, well then your best way is to have content that you are creating for your purpose, engaging with your audience. And then whoever likes it is going to stick around, you know, let them speak what they want. Mm -hmm. And then those who want will stay. Yeah. But have you, so have you tried to get verified yet? I have a couple times. Um, I don't remember what, there was like a reason they said, no, it, it was like a certain line. Like, um, I don't remember. I, and it might've been on Twitter. I've tried on both. I have heard the rumor that you have to have 10,000 followers on Instagram to get verified like a minimum Twitter. You don't have to, I don't think, Yeah, but so there was like a reason there was like a line that they said, like, um, there was, I don't think there was anything else to corroborate that I was like important. And so I think like I made a podcast, maybe that's like the thing now I, I think you have to have right. like written a book or like have a, there's like something. It's, you, you, you have to be known in the public to an extent. So mm -hmm. I think I, if I were you, cause once you get verified, you don't, you don't have to have 10,000 followers to be verified. You just have to be really, I don't know. I had heard that, was, but I didn't know enough. if that was a rumor. It, 
I've seen people ver verify with less. Um, you have to be known enough that they can search you with their bots and find you and then say, yes, you're legit. You're who you are. And then they'll mm -hmm. verify you. And then you can use your links and you can use your swipe ups. All I want is a swipe up. That's all I want. Like I tell everyone, I want like 10,001 followers. That way if the one unfollows, like I still have my swipe up, you know, like it's just. Right. Well, and that's I the beauty just, of being verified. You don't have to have the certain number of follower, followers. Once you're I'm verified. I'm close though. I'm like 9,300 something. I'm getting close. <laughs> I just want to be able to post the links because I create so much content that's not on Instagram. And then right. always trying to like direct people to things, either mine or other people. Like even like right now for like the coronavirus stuff, like visit New Orleans sent me a message saying like, Hey, can you share? um about these restaurants that are still open and i just like mm -hmm. yeah but i'm gonna have to like screenshot and be like go to visit the link and then do all this stuff and like, it's so much easier if i could just like swipe it up because i could help so many different aspects of my business and other people's if i could just like direct people right. directly to where it is and i hate well, that you have to have a minimum of ten thousand followers for that yeah and there's there's other like do you are you familiar with linktree mm -hmm. yeah i had that for a while i built a site or a page on my site called like jordanheffel.com slash link in bio. And it's like a, a page where I put my links and that's what my bio is linked at. That way people are at least going to my website. Um, and so they still get the pop-up to sign up for my email newsletter and whatever else. And uh, I had Linktree for a while and there was one weekend where it had crashed like the whole site. And I was so upset right. because nobody was like going to my, so I was kind of like, I want to have control over where my link and bio is going. Um, and so I just built a page for it and it, I, but I always forget to update the links on there too. Like I had like black Friday promo codes in there up until like a month ago. And I was like, mm, I need to take these out, <laughs> but I just forget to go update that part of my website. Cause it's like a hidden page that I have to like right. go find, but well, and now you got Corona time. So you can figure out all those little nooks and crannies. Yes, I've been writing a list skip. of all the things. It's so stupid. I have a list of like TikTok ideas that I want to execute, but I can't freaking do anything. Cause Christian is zooming all day conference calls all day. So I'm just like, I'm trying to TikTok here. I'm like sit in the bathroom. <laughs> I, well, I'm in, I'm at my, my makeup table right now in my room. Cause he's at my table table nice. where I normally do stuff, but he has more meetings than anyone I know. And since I already work from home, like this really isn't different for me. I'm just like, this is just my normal life. I just don't have any photos to edit or shoots to go to, but I right. I'm used to working at home and finding things to keep myself busy. Like that's part of being an entrepreneur is like having to be a self-starter and find mm -hmm. things to do. So I'm used to just like taking a shower at 2 PM and like doing my laundry, but then like editing this or doing that. And he is on like 9,000 conference calls. And I'm just like, all I want to do is TikTok. and you are in my way. <laughs> I can't do it. So anyways, yes. but I have, anyways, I have a list of things I want to do and yeah. it's all like this, this isn't this. And I want to create a Lightroom workshop and I want to edit the stuff on my website. And then I also want to like refigure out why my tap the product thing stopped working, all these different things. And I just, it's hard because I it's not time, like right? he does not do well working from home. Like he needs to go back to work. Oh, I don't blame you. Okay. So I guess we should probably wrap up for the, the three people listening are probably trying to get on with their day. Are there three um, people listening? I didn't even know. I haven't looked. There's, <laughs> Four. I'm sorry. Four. Yes. yes. Go for it. I just screamed people. really loud. Oops. Um, okay. So to wrap up kind of, what are some, like, what is two lessons that you've learned along the way of being a creative? Um, put yourself out there because no one will know who you are or what you do or what you can do if you don't tell them. No, there's no PR department. There is no no one will know that you exist unless you tell them. So as obnoxious as it feels and as weird as it is, you got to put yourself out there and it never gets less weird. Um, you just kind of get better at it, but you are the only person that's going to pimp yourself out for you. So that is a big thing. Um, and like what I was talking about earlier, just um, like launch fast. Like just, if you have an idea, just like, just do it like Nike style, like do it. And because you're going to sit and think of all the things that could go wrong and probably overhype it in your head than whatever it is that you want to do. So just do it. And if it flops, just like do something else. Like if you're making enough stuff all the time, like people don't really, it's not a big deal. Um, and I guess like, don't, this is the third one, I guess, but don't <laughs> say things that are going to happen Notice. until, until, you know, it's going to happen. Like, you know, that meme of like the guy at the podium, like the PSA meme, 
mm-hmm. where he's like the guy he's like ready to give a press conference about everything. That's kind of me. I'm always so excited to say like what the next thing is, but like I've gotten burned before. Um, almost like with my podcast, like getting excited, like I have a sponsor. And I'm like, wait, but now it's going to be pushed back a couple months. Cause I don't have the stuff. Like don't <laughs> say things that are going to happen. until you know, it's going right. to happen. Cause um, it's just awkward. So I feel like just, yeah, put your stuff out there, get your stuff out there and don't tell anybody it's going to be out there until like you're for sure it's going to happen. I love Otherwise that. you I sound like the boy that cried wolf. If you're like, yeah. I, I'm going to launch a podcast. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to do it. And then you never do it. So yeah. Been, been there, done that. That's why I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't say I'm going live with anybody until they're like, Hey, I'm pulling up in your driveway. I'm like, all right, now I'll, now I'll publish about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> okay. So yeah. yeah. We're, weirder things have happened. Yeah. That's gosh. And it's, and stuff happens and I get it. And I never hold anything against anybody for canceling mm-hmm. or pushing back. I'm like, look, I'm the first to tell you stuff happens. So yeah, take care of what you got to take care of. I'll still be here. Um, so what do you love most about Baton Rouge? Hmm. The garden district. <laughs> Cause that's where I live. Um, I, okay. I, I don't know. I, I have a, um, a salty history with Baton Rouge. Cause like when I graduated from LSU, as many of us do, it's, it's hard to find your spot in the city because when you live in that college bubble and then you're put out in the real world, it's kind of hard to find your footing to be like where, cause I'm right. not a college student, but I'm not like married with kids yet. So I don't know like what, where I, where I live in this. And I feel like Baton Rouge has kind of been slower on the front of like the young professional scene. It's happening. It's just, it, it's slower than other cities I feel like. And so a lot of my friends from college moved and I lived, um, around too much of the college scene for too long after I graduated. And it made me really hate the city. Cause I was just like, um, resentful for like, and like, Oh, I, I should move. Cause like I'm not in college anymore, but I live around all of it, whatever. Moving to the garden district, uh, about three years ago, just completely changed my whole perspective on the city. I found like my, my niche of like people, my age and places to go and things to do. And it really, really made me like the city more. And so it's something small like that. And it, that doesn't have to be the same neighborhood for everybody. But my opinion is the garden district is great. And I just like walking the neighborhood and it makes me really appreciate where I live for sure. Okay. So if you could change one thing about Baton Rouge, what would it be? Um, I don't know how this would change without the um, participation of everyone, including me. And I'm like the one saying it, but like, it's definitely a college town and anyone who tries to fight me on that, like I will stand my ground. Like it's a college town and it's, it's hard. Um, it, it's, I think it's just slower getting its footing to be a place where people want to move that aren't just moving here for college. Um, it's happening. It's just slower. And so something that I would change about that is just like having a bigger young professional scene, which is like, obviously we're all part of that in our age group. So like we are part of changing that. It's just, it's, it's slow, man. I don't know. I go to other cities yeah. like Atlanta or New Orleans or any, I mean, literally anywhere. And I'm just like, man, this is so cool. You go to the bar and it's that. And I feel like Baton Rouge is getting there. It's just, it's taking a long time. And I've only been here 10 years, but it's been a lot in the 10 years I've been here. So. Yeah. We, we, we get to the scene. It's just, we get to the scene a little bit later than everybody else. Exactly. But. And that's what I would change about it. But I also like, I guess we are part of the, that change, you know? So I guess we are changing. I don't know. <laughs> we got to change from within and make one step yeah. at a time. Yeah. Okay. So Thank you uh, for coming on the show. Thank you. That's that's, that's kind of the, the wrap there on ending on what we can do to make the change in Baton Rouge. And one step at a time, we'll get there slowly but surely. Yeah. So thank you, Jordan, for coming on the show. Appreciate thank your you. time. Thank and you for, for the, uh, all the I, – I feel like you think I'm a psychopath because my, my email communication with you has been tragic. I'm normally not this crazy, but weird times. But it's, <laughs> thank you yes. for being patient yes. and letting me on your show. <laughs> You are more than welcome. Um, so for everybody listening, however many you are, whether you're three, four or five, thank you all for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the show. Go out and give Jordan Heffler a follow on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok, especially oh TikTok. After this, I'm going to like get some more like my dances going. Yes. Working yes. on it. <laughs> we should do a TikTok whenever I come on your show. Yes. Okay. Because that'll be in person eventually. Exactly. Yes. Eventually. Um, yeah. And you're going to teach me how to use QuickBooks. Eventually. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> All right. So uh, we, we'll, we'll go ahead and end before we just keep blabbering on. But thank Sounds you everybody good. for watching. 
Uh, I'm Patty G. You're listening to the Patty G Show with Jordan Heffler. Get out there and do what you want, and yeah. let's change the world for the better. Yeah, and wash your hands. Yay! <laughs> wash your hands. All right.